Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Derek O'Reilly, and for over 30 years, I've been a licensed London taxi driver. For 20 years, I taught the knowledge to prospective London cab drivers. During this podcast, I'm going to be joined by experts who are going to bring the forgotten and secret history of London to life. Today I'm going to be joined by somebody who's going to take me shopping and we're going to discuss the history of some of London's large department stores and the speciality shops. My name's Diane Burstein and I'm a qualified London Blue Badge tour guide. My website is www.secretlondonwalkingtours.co.uk. So have a look at that to find out about the tours I do. And if you would like to contact me and join my mailing list, it's Diane, D-I-A-N-E, at secretlondonwalkingtours.co.uk. You can also follow me on TikTok, Twitter, and that is at Guide Diane. Well, Diane, here we are yet again. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Guess what we're going to do today? We're going to go shopping. We are so certainly going to go shopping. So the reason, obviously, as a London taxi driver, I spend half my life picking people up and taking them to shops. And if I ever rank up outside Harrods, which I'm going to get you to tell me about in a minute, the most popular destination is Selfridges. So can we start off telling me something about Harrods? Okay. Well, Harrods is unusual because most of the department stores started off with a draper's shop, but... Harrods started off with a grocer's shop. The original Mr Charles Harrod was a grocer and he wasn't based in Knightsbridge at all. Originally, believe it or not, he was in the east end of London in Cable Street was he in really? the Shadwell he area with his grocer's shop there. I didn't know but that relocated and relocated to Knightsbridge. And when he went to Knightsbridge in the 1840s, the area wasn't particularly populated, but it was about to really take off because, of course, in 1851, you had the Great Exhibition over in Hyde Park. And that led to the growth of the area of Kensington. And so suddenly everyone was coming into this area and he had chosen the right place. But it was really his son, who was also called Charles, who expanded the business by buying up all the shops nearby. And this is how most of the department stores, but not all of them, started off with one person coming along with one shop 
and then expanding and buying all the shops around. And then when they've got a very big and confusing store with all these different shops uh, attached to one another, they decide, let's all start again and build a new purpose-built store, which is how it started. Um, They did have some setbacks along the way. For example, in the 1880s, they had a fire just before Christmas and the store was burnt down, but they managed to carry on operating and managed to deliver everything by Christmas. And that really cemented their reputation. The store that we know today, that terracotta frontage, was done in the early 1900s by the Royal Dalton Company. The lights that you have on the outside, it wasn't illuminated by light bulbs until the 1950s. They did it one Christmas and they decided that it was here What about the colour, the green, that's synonymous with Harrods? The green colour, yes. I don't know why they decided Oh, it's just just a a random choice then. If there was a particular uh, reason why they chose green. But yes, the bags are always green, of course. And their motto, which you can see on the outside of the store in Latin, is Omnia Omnibus Ubique, which means everything for everyone, everywhere. And there was another motto, we could get you anything from a pin to an elephant. Um, And also we could cater for you from the cradle to the grave. Because of course there was a maternity hospital, not maternity hospital, maternity department and a baby wear department. But they also used to have, which they don't have today, a funeral department. So it really was the cradle to the grave. And you could really go in and buy an animal. Now, people tested this out every so often. Somebody bought an alligator for um, Noel Coward and then someone else (laughs) bought an elephant for Ronald Reagan when he was the governor of California. Now, not all these animals were roaming about, but you could buy a lion cub. And you might have read recently that there was an obituary for a chap I called John it. Rendell. Used to drive up there. Who the died Kings recently, Road. that's right. Yeah. And he and his friend, Ace Bork, they were two young Australian guys, and they worked for a furniture shop called Sophisticat, funnily enough, right. on the western end of the King's Road. And they were in Harrods one day and they saw this cute little baby lion cub who they christened Christian. And they purchased the lion cub. What, there and then? There and then. And they managed to get permission from their employer, would you believe, to keep Christian in the basement of this furniture shop. (laughs) And then they got permission from the minister of a chapel at the western end of the King's Road um, in order to exercise Christian the Lion in the grounds of that chapel. And you might know where this little chapel is, where there's that bend in the King's Road and there are a couple of doors there. It's called the Moravian Burial Ground. Oh, I know. There, it. Yeah, yeah. Because the Moravians, yeah. which was a sect of people that came over in the 18th century, they buried their dead there. So it's now a little park that they opened yeah. during the day and you've got the chapel there, which is still used for worship. So the minister said, fine. So all these people were fine at first when it was a cute little cub, but it got bigger and bigger and bigger. It started damaging the furniture That's in the furniture shop. 
shop. And also, when they took Christian round to their friends, there's a lovely story <laughs> of them going round to some girlfriends and they were all dressed up for a night out and Christian just ripped the dress off one of the girls, you know, and they jump up and, you know, it was yeah. it just got too dangerous. People didn't really like it if they went into the Moravian burial ground to the gardens there and there was this great big line running about. And in the end, they were introduced by the actress Virginia McKenna yeah. and her husband Bill Travers, Born who were customers fame. of the shop Sophisticat, and um, when they found out about Christian, they said, we will introduce you to our friend George Adamson, who Born Free was all about, George and Joy yeah. Adamson, who has this reserve out in Kenya and see if he'll take Christian. And that's what happened. Christian was shipped out to Kenya. And there's a wonderful film that you could see on YouTube called The Reunion of I've when seen the two it. guys yeah, go out and it's they're incredible. reunited yeah. and the lion recognises them. But going back to Harrods, that was bought in Harrods. Right. So let me take you up the road and we'll go up to Selfridges. That's right. Well, Selfridges. Now, Selfridges was uh, opened in 1909. So it's a newcomer when it comes to department stores. Okay. And Mr. Gordon Selfridge was an American and he had worked for Marshall Fields in Chicago and wanted to go into business on his own. But I've read he didn't want to go into business as a competitor to his old employers. So he came over to England oh, right. and he opened Decent a department him. store here. So it was purpose-built. It wasn't the first purpose-built department store. That was Bon Marche in Brixton, which isn't a department store anymore, but all the buildings are still, still there, there in yeah, Brixton. Yeah. So that was in the 1870s that that one opened. But this was the first purpose-built one in the West End. And some of the original designs for that was amazing. Um, there was one that had a tall tower. There was another one that had a dome like St Paul's Cathedral. But they were told that that would make the building too heavy. So... Instead, they built the building, which is still pretty impressive. It is, yeah. That we have today. And there's a big clock on the front, The Queen of Time by Gilbert Bays. Now, time was really important to Mr Selfridge. He put all his clocks five minutes slow to give people five minutes more shopping time <laughs> when they were in the store. Wish and the way pubs. he revolutionised shopping is that in all the other stores like Harrods and Debenhams and any of others that you get to think yeah. of, You'd go in and you'd have the floor walker who would come up to you. Are you being served, madam? Are you being served? So oh. what would you like? And you might say, yeah, I've come in to buy a shirt. And you'd go to the counter and they'd sell you the shirt and you'd go out with the shirt. Selfridge, very clever. He realised that if you're left to browse for a bit, you'd see that shirt you like, but mm, there's a nice tie and, oh, there's a nice pair of trousers. And you've yeah. ended up buying yourself yeah, a whole sense. outfit. And so he realised people would spend more money. So for the first time, there was browsing and open plan shopping. But he was also a showman. And to attract people to the store, and they still do this at Selfridges today, he had special events. So in the 1920s, he heard that John Logie Baird had just invented something called television. So he contacted Mr Baird, come and demonstrate television in our store. And people queued round the block to watch a flickering image of a Maltese cross. Not the most exciting television programme you've ever watched, but it was a novelty. 
and he had things like Blériot's aeroplane on display there. And, of course, one of the well-known things is that we know it now, they didn't know it then, was during the Second World War, they had the scramblers that scrambled the conversations between Roosevelt and Churchill underneath Selfridges. Oh, right, but I didn't know that. the things that people did know is that there were all these fantastic things going on to attract them into the store. Another thing about Gordon Selfridges, he loved Christmas, loved Christmas. So do I. So... <laughs> He gave a plum pudding to every single bus driver who delivered people. I'm not sure about the taxi drivers, oh. but the bus drivers. Well, I never had a to, to his pudding, store. Yeah. And Christmas was a very, very big deal at Selfridges. And he invented that annoying phrase, 364 shopping days to Christmas. Oh, is he the culprit? Yes, that's right. He is the culprit. But he lost his money because he overextended himself. He took over Whiteley's in Bayswater and he used to go over to Bayswater to inspect all the staff in the morning as well as inspecting all the staff at Selfridges. And he had this very lavish ma mansion which was in Mayfair. It's now Private Members Club, the Lansdowne Yeah, it's blue Club. plaques on the wall. But yeah. when he... Uh, what made me laugh is that, you know, when he lost his money and he went to... Things he went downhill. He moved to Putney. Now, Putney is quite a smart suburb of London. And when you see the block of flats where he lived, it's a perfectly nice block of flats. But that was going down the hill compared oh, yeah. with a mansion well, it would be, in, yeah. uh, Mayfair. In, in, May, in Mayfair, of course. Yeah. But Selfridges still keep up that showmanship. I mean, they did do a few years ago a Shakespeare themed Oh, yeah, they've always got something where interesting you could come going and watch on there. Shakespeare place. So they realise, and that's why I think they've survived and other department stores haven't. Right. Is there any particular reason, I asked you about the green bags for Harrods, is there any particular reason why Selfish has the a yellow, yellow bag? Yeah. I think that these are just decisions that are made by yeah, a designer. Yeah, random decisions. Yeah, no, and I just then they any stick with it because everybody associates that colour or with, that uh, logo yeah. with a particular store, yellow for Selfridges and it's yeah, green no, it's for great. Harrods. Yeah. So now we talked about, or you briefly mentioned Whiteley's. We'll come back to Whiteley's in a yeah. second. Um, obviously, we have, we've lost some stores and sadly, I think a few more are probably likely mm. to go. I mean, when I was younger, there was Ball and Hollingsworth and Gamages. That's They're right, gone. yes. Um, when I was a taxi driver for, in my early years, um, Whiteley's was still there. Yes, yeah, that's it's, right. It's not there as such <coughs> Well, now. the building is still the skeleton of the building and it's, it's a building site at the moment because they're working. I think there are going to be um, some sort of residential uh, yeah, side to it as well. Um, but Whiteley's, um, 1863, Mr. Whiteley, he upset a lot of people when he opened that store. He didn't open it where it is today in Queensway. He opened it in the um, area of Westbourne Grove. Right. Now, okay. he was taking a bit of a chance because it was known as Bankruptcy Avenue, apparently, Westbourne Grove. <laughs> was it? But if you look at the buildings, <laughs> there were a lot of big buildings, big stores there. And the buildings, they might be divided up into lots of businesses, but still rather grand. So he went there. He nearly went to Upper Street in Islington, actually. Oh, would have been he went me. and had a look at that, but then he thought, no. And then he went along to uh, the Basewater area. And when he opened up, it was announced that he was going to have a butcher's department. So butchers protested outside holding meat cleavers rather threateningly. And then he mentioned, and this seemed a good idea, that he was going to have a pub there in the store so that the men, while their wives were shopping... Oh, what a fantastic a idea. But the publicans hated it. So they <laughs> came and protested. So he had lots of enemies. And in the end, he was murdered. 
in his store. But really? he was not murdered by a publican or an angry butcher. He was murdered by a man called Horace Rayner, who claimed to be his illegitimate son. And he came to see him was shown into the office. I think he pretended that he was a representative of Whiteley's solicitor. There were raised voices and then a gunshot and Whiteley was found dead. Oh, was he apprehended? So uh, the man, yes, yes, he he was was apprehended and arrested. But, uh, yeah, so all very, very dramatic. And then later, Mr Selfridge took over the store and the store moved in 1913, around 1913, to where... That store is today, and I hope that there. I think there will be some sort of public access. I think there'll be restaurants oh, yeah, there I would hope because so. you have that wonderful winding staircase yeah. in the centre, and the outside of the store is pretty uh, impressive. Yeah, it is absolutely looking. Yes, yeah. so that's one of the lost department yeah lost stores. department stores. Yes. So let's move to another area of London. Um, where I get a lot of jobs too. Um, let's talk about the Regent Street area. And let's let's start with Liberties. Liberties. Well, Liberty was started off by a guy called Arthur Lazenby Liberty in the 1870s. And he had worked for a company called Farmer and Rogers. And Farmer and Rogers sold very luxurious fabrics. And for them, he was a buyer and then he was a department manager. And he bought in fabrics from India and from China and from Japan. And he was hoping to be made a partner, but he wasn't. And luckily for him, he'd married a rich woman whose father bankrolled him to start up his own business in 1875. So he started off doing the same sort of thing with these fabrics imported from overseas. But then later, Liberty started printing their own famous Liberty Liberty prints. But the they still did everything from the Far East. And so when, for example, you had Gilbert and Sullivan writing the Mikado, all the costumes, the material for the costumes was supplied by Liberty. And Liberty became a favourite with artistic people, with writers, with members of the aesthetic movement, with people like Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde's wife was a member of the Rational Dress Movement. And this was a group (laughs) of women who didn't want to be in corsets any longer and wearing these uncomfortable dresses that would uh, deform you and crush your ribcage. And so... The Liberty prints were very popular with these women. They were loose flowing dresses and the dresses really suited these Liberty prints. And of course, then they started doing furniture. And in the 1920s, all the stores in Regent Street were being rebuilt. Well, they were rebuilt between the 1890s and the 1920s. But facing onto Regent Street, all that is owned by the Crown Estate. Yeah, yeah. And the Crown Estate are very, very particular about what's built there. And when they saw what Liberty had <laughs> planned, well, they had a real shock because it was that half-timbered building that you've got in Great Marlborough Street. Yeah. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And they said, no, you can't do that. So they built a very traditional facade facing Regent Street, but they went to town around the back with that half-timbered building. Yeah, it's almost like Mock Tudor, isn't it? Mock Tudor. Um, in fact, you've got things like coats of arms of the wives of Henry VIII. And you've got a wonderful clock with St George tracing the dragon that's on the bridge between the two buildings there. And you had a ship. In fact, all the wood came from two ships, the Invincible and the Hindustan, and they've got pictures of the ships. But inside, you've got all that wonderful wooden panelling. And you'll notice that you haven't got large spaces in Liberty. You go into the different departments and they're quite small, aren't they? Like being in closed rooms. Well, there was a reason for that because they sold a lot more furniture than they do today and interior stuff. I mean, they still do some. And it was thought that if you're going to buy a chair that you would much rather see that chair in the sort of space that you might well, have at yeah, home. Makes sense. You can imagine it yeah. more in your living room than you can when everything is completely yeah, yeah, that's open a good idea. plan. So that's what oh, they right. did there at Liberty's. Yes, so uh, Liberty's still going strong. Although yeah. I think also because it's unique, you see, and they've kept to what they do well. Right, And yeah. I think a lot of those department stores that have closed... They were just made up of lots of concessions of stores that you can buy the things elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so I think that with Liberty, with Harrods and with Selfridges, they've kept a lot of their unique po- points. With Harrods, it's the wonderful tiled food hall, yeah, of yeah. course. OK, so we come out of Liberty's, we turn the corner and we are at Hamley's. Oh, yeah, well, Hamley's. Now, he started off, Mr Hamley, over in Hoban originally. That's where a lot of stores were. That was quite a big 
shopping area, Hoban, at one time. It was. Time. I know Beatty's, the model store, used to be there. That's long gone. Yeah. But I didn't realise Hamley's, the toy shop, started Yeah, right he there. started off there. They went to Regent Street in the 1880s. In oh, fact, right. by then, I think it was his sons or his grandsons who were Always specialising in toys? Yeah, but it was wooden toys originally. Right. And, in fact, the uh, nickname of that store was Noah, Noah's Ark because they did the wooden toys, wooden farmyard animals and those sorts of things. And then they grew from there. And it was the grandsons who really grew the business. And also, in the same way that after their fire, Harrods continued, after they had a bomb in World War Two, they continued with all the staff putting on their helmets right, and going yeah. out and serving everybody, literally keeping calm and carrying on. And, of course, when you go to Hamleys, you've got all these wonderful people demonstrating the toys. And yeah, a lot of them straight, are actors. Yeah, a lot of them are out-of-work actors. Um, do you remember Liz Smith, who used to play the granny in the royal family yes. actress? And she was in a lot of things. Um, she was somebody who'd been acting for years but had never really made it big. And when she was in her 50s, she was demonstrating toys in Hamleys when she got the call from the film director, Mike Lee, to asking her to come and make a film. And after that, she didn't look back, having a much more prominent yeah. career um, as she got older. But she was there. A in, useful place uh, to Hamleys, work if you're a jobbing actor. Right. Yes, uh, yeah. demonstrating. And also ping pong was first sold in Hamleys in the right. 1920s. It was a French game called Gossima. And they went to Hamleys and asked if they could sell it there. But we christened it Ping Pong oh, right. over here. Yes. OK, so when we come out of Hamleys and we take a short walk down Regent Street, we'll come to sort of St James's area. That's right. Now, the thing I love about that area is that all the shops there seem to be individual shops. There's no, they are. They, well, I mean, there's a few chain shops there, but most of them are individual and they all look very old to me. Fantastic. Yes. Well, they have history going back a long way, wrong, a long way and one of the oldest ones is Locks the Hatters. Right. And that started off in the 1670s. On the other side of the road, they moved in the 18th right. century to the little shop they have today. And the wonderful thing about those historic shops is all the people who work there are very proud of the history. So if you go in there and you've got no intention of buying a hat, but you're interested in the history and you would like to see the hat they made for Viscount Nelson with its eye patch, its eye shield, or the Duke of Wellington's hat with its plumes, if they aren't busy, they'll be happy to show them to you oh, with no nice. pressure to buy. Right. They also have something wonderful there, which is like a torture contraption. It looks like called the conformator. And that's how they would measure your head uh. by putting it on the head and tracing the shape of your head. And so they can make hats specially for you. But they didn't make them on the premises. They would be made elsewhere. So one day, a Mr Coke of Holcombe Hall in Norfolk turns up and he said, I want a hard hat so that when my gamekeepers are out there shooting things, if an animal falls on their head, they've got a protective hat there. And so they went to a Mr Thomas Bowler in Southwark and he made the hat, which we all know is the bowler hat, oh, but, but they story. call it the Coke hat. What do they over. call it? They call it the Coke hat at Locks because they made it okay. for Mr. Coke. Coke. Now, right. today, of course, they have women's hats in the window, yeah. but that didn't stop until the 1970s. And do you know what their bestseller is nope. at the moment Go there? On. Have a guess. 
what do you think might be the seller? Uh, that lots of young men are buying and apparently it's brought down the age demographic of their customers, the average age from 50s to 30s. I can't think. The Peaky Blinders cap. Oh, of course, absolutely. <laughs> and if you yeah, go there now, course, yeah. you will see the window is full of those caps. So it's quite nice the way that they've right. managed to move in the times and find a yeah, new... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I saw my brother wearing one the other day. I wonder right. where he got it from. So <laughs> apparently, yeah, that is something. And also, although, you know, a lot of these stores, you think, oh, they're going to be very expensive, much more expensive than anywhere else. Actually, for the quality that you get, often it's not as expensive as right. yes. you would imagine. Yeah. However... Yeah. Next door, we have Lobs the Boot Makers. Yeah, now, when do. you're talking about expensive, the cheapest pair of shoes you might get would set you back £4,000. Wow. Because they are all made specially for you. Everything there 4, is custom made. For a pair of shoes. Now, you think, oh, goodness, you know, how can they justify that? But I went on a visit there. I took some people in there on a visit. And it was very nice because, you know, they could tell that my groups didn't have any intention of spending £4,000 on a pair of shoes. They, I'm sure they could look at your shoes and could tell that you haven't spent £4,000 on them. But they were very proud to show us around. And you could see there was one man we spoke to and his job for the whole day was polishing a pair of boots till you could see your face in it. And when you realised that that was his day's work, and that was the end of the process. But it started off with somebody measuring and making a last yeah. for your foot, which they keep underneath in the basement. There's a room full of lasts and they get out the last. This was Aristotle Onassis's last. I was going to ask you any really famous Princess people Diana's, when you said £4,000. Prince Charles. They've right. got all these shops have got royal warrants. Yeah outside so prince charles is a customer they've made shoes not so many for women it's mostly men's shoes right. that are there because women's shoes change with the fashions men don't they told us that prince charles had a pair that he'd had for something ridiculous like 50 years but of course you have to have your shoes remade because our feet change shape as we get older our feet might get a little bit broader you might get a bigger size so they have to measure and make you another oh, last. Right. So there's the person who makes the last. There's the person called the uh, the clicker, apparently, who cuts out the leather. Then there's somebody else who stitches the leather. Then there's this man spending the whole day. And when you see the man polishing it and the other staff concentrating and stitching away and then somebody else puts the sole on, you realise all that work's yeah. gone into it. Yeah, They've got to imagine. pay all these people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing. And they are still doing it there in the basement, in that building, which is an enormous basement for a little shop yeah, because it absolutely. goes underneath yeah. several uh, shops. Okay, so moving up the road from there slightly, we got Berry Brothers and Rudd. Berry Brothers and Rudd, that's right. Well, one of the reasons that all these shops are there is because you've got St James's Palace at the top of the road. So the customers were originally either royals or the lords and ladies in waiting. So they went and got people. their wine from Berry Brothers and Rudd. And the other reason is the clubs, the gentlemen's clubs oh, of course, around yeah. there. If you think of all the yeah. clubs, you've got Boodles, yeah. you've got Whites, you've got the Carlton Club, etc. So members of the clubs would go there. And how Berry Brothers and Rudd was started, the Widow Bourne's Grocery Shop 
was there. So they started off selling groceries and then they went into wine. And today they have not only the shop, but there's a lovely little courtyard called Pickering Place yeah, at the there. back. And all the houses around there are all owned by Berry Brothers. If you look up, you could see the bottles of wine on the windows. And the cellars go almost all the way up to St. James's Palace underneath because somebody will buy wine and then they'll keep it yeah. in the Some cellar. Some people buy it as an investment as well, yeah, of course. That's yeah, that's right. They keep it as an investment. And I, I went in there on one of the open house weekends. They opened up and one of the members of staff showed us some of the really old bottles that have got cobwebs on them. They don't dust them ah, to show you how brilliant. old they are. And they showed this wonderful room where the members of the original family, apparently there are still, I can't remember they were whether they were berries or they were runs. But anyway, he said, oh, the family can't there. And this room is a special room for them where they have their lunch and we bring up the wine. And, you know, I was wondering, do they bring their sandwich from the local <laughs> Pret-a-Manger and then have the wine with it? But, you know, they do all these corporate things where people can come and they can do wine tasting underneath. So wonderful. But the scales, I mean, that I must mention the scales. If you go in, there's this enormous pair of scales and it was for weighing not wine but not people. And apparently the men would come from the clubs after a good lunch and they would weigh themselves to see how much weight they put on from their roast beef dinners they don't use it today but you could still see the scales there. yeah i know this there's plenty of other shops in that area yeah um we've got um james fox who sells his cigars cigars that's right they've got a little museum downstairs actually okay. that you can go and you could see because churchill ordered cigars from, from there, there right. oscar wilde Ordered cigars yeah. from there. And we've got Floris. Floris the Perfumier, who started off as a hairdresser, a men's hairdresser, but he was from Menorca and he used to sell scent. So he asked if you wanted something extra, not something for the weekend, but a bit of scent. And the men would put these scents and the scent was made from the flowers from his home place in Menorca. And then they'd go home and their wives would smell that lovely scent and they would want some of it too. So they went from being a hairdresser's to concentrate on the perfumes. And there are still one of the florists. When the mail line ran out, there was Mary Ann Floris got married to somebody in the Bodenham family. And there are still Bodenhams there today. But they do not make the perfume there any longer. They used to. Oh, okay. And they've got somebody called The Nose, who is the perfumer, right, yeah, who yeah. will make... You can go and have a perfume made specially for you. Oh, right. You well, can you pick also you buy like. off the shelves. Well, you have a consultation right. and they'll make up something for you. And they have these wonderful registers, famous people. Of course, they've got the royal warrants. The Queen apparently has been having the same perfume since the 1950s. Not surprising, really. Um, James Bond's perfume, they call it. Ian Fleming would come in for... His scent. So lots of famous customers from the past. And their cabinets, their wooden cabinets, are left over from the Great Exhibition of 1851. And they had a shop there. There were retail outlets there. And they've still got those today. And they did something which we all used to laugh at. But now we wouldn't laugh at since the advent of COVID, in that, that if people paid in cash, they would give you your change as a traditional thing on a little wooden tray so that 
you wouldn't be as touching the assistant's oh, hand. Right, now course. we probably think, oh, well, that's rather good. We don't want to touch yeah, anyone's no, hand yeah. to catch something. But it was done because of snobbery, of course, in the past. Yeah. Oh, you know, you wouldn't yeah. touch your hand <laughs> and be the mega shop assistant, yes. Okay, so let's leave the individual shops. Let's talk about shopping arcades for a Ah, uh, yes. Well, you've got several of those. The oldest is the Royal Opera Arcade. Now, why is that the Royal Opera Arcade? Well, it is right at the side of... Her Majesty's Theatre, which used to be, before Her Majesty's Theatre was built in the 1890s, there was an opera house okay. on the side. I wonder so where that's why it's from. called the Royal right. Opera Arcade. So that was the first one in about 1813. And then the most famous one is the Burlington Arcade, and that was built in 1819 to fill in a path next to the garden of the house that used to be belong to the Earl of Bur Burlington, but now it was the home of Lord Cavendish. And he was upset because people would walk down this path making a noise, singing loudly after they'd been to the tavern and throwing their takeaway food over the wall, which in those days was not McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken, but it was oyster shells because you'd buy oyster on the street. So he got his architect to build the wall higher and higher and higher, but still he heard the noise. So in the end, the architect designed in 1819 the Burlington Arcade with a load of rules, and you've still got those wonderful uniform beadles there today. Yes, yeah. You can impose the rules, which include no singing, no whistling, no shouting no running and that was really to keep the peace yeah. next door and they still keep those today with those lovely little individual bow-fronted shops that yeah. you have along the arcade yeah and we'll end up i've done whether it's good or whether it's bad um let's talk about shopping centers yeah well the first one of course was uh, the one at elephant castle that has just been knocked, knocked down. down yeah um and people generally didn't like that, although it did have its good points, mostly after all the big people had pulled out and then you had some independent yes, shops you moving did, yeah. in. And Brent but Cross, of then course. Brent Cross, of course, out of town where I had a Saturday job when I was a oh, student at John Lewis's. <laughs> yes, yes. So that came about early 1970s, yes. And now, of course, London is bookended by but two Westfields. Westfields yes. Absolutely. And yeah. it's it's on the tourist trail. You know, I was walking along one day uh, researching a walk not far from Westfield in Shepherd's Bush when two tourists came up with their map looking a bit puzzled. How do we get to Buckingham Palace, they said. I explained how they should get to Buckingham Palace. And they said, because we've just been to Westfield and we want to go to Buckingham <laughs> Talk about Palace. about getting your priorities next. So right. Westfield was top on their list. And a lot of people love those places. I don't personally, because I feel that you could be in any country in the world. Yeah, no, I agree with you, you 100%. You could be in Australia, America, Hong yep. Kong. Um, I think that the thing to get people back, and I see this reaction when I'm taking people around on my walking tours, is that if I go to an area where there is a street of independent shops like Lordship Lane in East Dulwich or Stoke Newington Church Street, for example, in Stoke Newington, people's eyes light up yeah. when they see the independent shops. And at the end of the walk, more often than not, they will say, oh, I'm going back, direct me back to that street because they want to go shopping in a street with independent shops. So I think that what will tear people away from the computer and online shopping has to be independent shops or shopping experiences of the kind that Mr Selfridge offered in the past. Diane, 
always a pleasure. Thank you very much You're indeed. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.